It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, guys. Listen, put me in the parking lot, you know, um, with Bears, and I'll go out there and play. It don't matter. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we're going to close the book on what we saw last Saturday in South Carolina. But first, we're going to respond to a few of your texts that you guys sent immediately following the game. I had to filter a lot of them out, but we'll get to what we can. We'll also discuss the main storylines heading into this weekend's matchup against Ole Miss. And we will discuss some of the players that we want to see turn around this weekend. I'm Zach Blackerby. You're Michael Pappas. How are you, bud? I'm doing well. How are you this morning, Zach? Doing well. Enjoyed our lunch yesterday. It's good chatting with you in person for a few minutes. That was nice. So a few uh, a few things we want to look at before we look at Ole Miss. Uh, we just got a few texts that I want to highlight. Dixon from Atlanta sent us a text. Just as concerned about Bo's leadership in the locker room and on the sidelines as his performance on the field. I'm very discouraged by the interactions between Bo and his receivers and coaches on the sideline. What are y'all's thoughts on this, and how does Auburn bounce back after this loss? Michael, I know a lot was made of that video where Bo and, and Seth were kind of jawing at each other and some coaches got involved in all of that. If that's just an isolated issue, I have no issue with it. With a bunch of competitive guys that are used to finding success being frustrated, I'm okay with that. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I I, I don't really have an issue with it either. You know, there are a lot of um a lot of very successful NFL quarterbacks who who you hear getting in arguments with their receivers I don't know, not infrequently. Yeah. Because they demand such a high level of excellence or blah, 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 whatever. And right. I, you know, not saying that's what happened here, but uh, I don't think that, you know, just the, uh, the argument on its own is, is that big of a deal. Yeah. I don't want to see it every game, but I, I mean, fans are feeling frustrated. You know, the team's more frustrated than the fans are. I, I don't, I didn't hate it. Um, yeah. We'll see if I was an isolated incident or not. I got a feeling it's going to be, but we'll see. We'll see. Dixon, thank you for listening, man. Luke from Georgia sent us a text regarding Bo Nix on the road. Luke said, uh, listen every week. Thanks for providing a great show for us. Thank you, Luke. Y'all are a great audience. Looks like we tried to make Bo do too much. Didn't let Tank and company do enough. A lot of holes on the defense that are glaring every week also. It would take a Christmas miracle to turn this thing around. Bo proved yet again that he isn't good on the road, and I hate that. War Eagle. And then Mike from Houston pretty much sent the same exact text. So, uh, I mean, to answer both of those guys, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, Michael. I was a little bit more vocal about my, you know, issues with this team than you were. You were more of a, <clears throat> excuse me, like a, a pump the brakes approach. And I think that was good. I think that was very measured of you. So, what's your response to this? Because I mentioned this yesterday, and I don't exactly remember how you responded, but a lot of our listeners, a lot of Auburn fans, are very concerned about Bo Nix's inability to perform at a a competitive level in road games. Uh, I think that we've seen that he is capable 
we just haven't seen him put together a full game. Because, you know, he started the game playing really, really well. His first quarter and a half, he was he was great. And he was really good. And then he threw, you know, that first interception, and it was kind of downhill from there for about a quarter and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't know. It's like you can see that all the pieces are there, right? And and, and you can see that for for Bo at least it's I don't know. I don't think it would take a Christmas miracle to turn this thing around. I don't think that there's that much really to turn around. And I think part of that is that you know all the other teams in the SEC that Auburn hasn't played yet, save Alabama, also look remarkably average. So um, I I think that I guess the margin for error for Auburn is really not super low. I saw a stat line somewhere. Here we go. This is from uh, the Auburn Observer newsletter that Justin Ferguson put out yesterday. Nick's was 10 of 17 passing for 108 yards and a touchdown before throwing his first interception. That first interception came like in the first play of the second quarter. Um, After that pick, he was 14 of 29 for 164 yards the rest of the way, throwing two more interceptions. So before the first pick, he was at a 6.3 yards per attempt. After the first pick, he was 5.65 yards per per attempt. Excuse me. So... That's pretty different, but like, let's don't act like he was like lighting it up. Ten of seventeen for one hundred and eight isn't isn't great. Do you disagree? I mean, yeah, on the surface, that's not. I mean, that's not like the greatest thing ever. But I mean, you watched the first. I don't know what was it, three or four drives. He was certainly looked, good enough to win for sure. I mean, if he does that the whole game, they win the game. Yeah. Um, an unnamed listener sent a text saying. How much longer can we listen to Gus's baloney excuses? Why does Bo Nix still have happy feet? Why does the offense stall in the second half in back-to-back games? I also want it on record my dog is named after Bo Jackson and not after Bo Nix. So I guess his dog's name is Bo. Does Bo listen to the show, Unnamed Listener? I hope so. Uh, we talked a little bit about some of the stuff that Gus said after the game that bothered us Yesterday, Pappas, I mean, my biggest thing was like, you know, uh, we, we talked about the balance. He said it was a balanced thing, and it's like, ah, I don't know about that. And then the fact of, you know, um, not having a spring, saying it's like, ah, I don't have a spring. And his pressers later today, as we record this early Tuesday morning, um, I'm sure there'll be kind of similar themes throughout all that. And why does Bo Nick still have happy feet? I don't know. I don't know. And it's tough to watch. A few listeners, like, uh, we were chatting back and forth yesterday on social media. And I wanted to stress, like, I I feel bad for Bo Nix because this guy has wanted this his whole life. And he's finally here. He finally has this job. And I just don't think he's being helped. And it's a bummer. And I absolutely hate it for the dude. So, uh, do you have anything to answer this text, Pappas? I think, well, I think part of the happy feet is... Um, you know, in both seasons now, at the beginning of his freshman year and sophomore year, the offensive line was not good. So uh, I think that's definitely part of it. Uh, and, and I think the happy feet has improved. 
I mean, it, they're obviously still there, but you know, at least now you do have some plays where uh, you can you can very clearly see Bo like standing there going through his reads. Um, you yeah. saw that more than I did. I didn't see a whole lot of him progressing through his reads. And that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I just when I went back and watched it, that was something I looked for, and I you saw it every now and then, but I don't think it was that consistent. But you do. Maybe going through his reads is is the wrong phrase. Going okay. through his read, you might only have one, but um, okay. standing there, I, I guess, just standing in the pocket. All right. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I saw yesterday. Someone said that like in 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 seven of the eight years, Gus has said that the offense is a work in progress. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, I don't know that. I, I, yeah, that's. That is frustrating. Yeah. You know what's not frustrating? What's not frustrating? How low the prices are at Frisky Whiskey. You are a, uh, you are a customer at Frisky Whiskey. I am a customer at Frisky Whiskey. And uh, the way taxes are set up, it is very cheap for you to buy any kind of alcoholic product from Frisky Whiskey. As you know, liquor, beer, wine. They even have tobacco and lottery tickets. Highly encourage you to visit the friendly folks at Frisky Whiskey. Um, yeah, I mean, the selection is crazy. It is absolutely crazy. If, if there is something that you want in that realm, they've got it. I mean, 10,000 square feet of just nonstop selection. Huge selection of wine, huge selection of beer, and all kinds of uh, tequila, vodka, gin, whatever you want, they have it at Frisky Whiskey. So, highly encourage you to uh, type in Frisky Whiskey into your GPS. It's about 20 minutes from Auburn, Opelika. It's worth every penny of the drive. So check out our good friends at Frisky Whiskey. Also, the Locked On Podcast Network is pumped to partner with Rock Auto with the ever-increasing of makes, models, and, uh, I mean, it, it is now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional stain, uh, chain storefront. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. My uh, my co-host on the Tuesday edition of Locked On College Football, Isaiah Hole, he hosts Locked On Wolverines. I mean, he has saved thousands and thousands of dollars using rockauto.com, and you can too. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, or SUV, right? Locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. That's at rockauto.com. All right, Pappas, we've got a few more listener responses to get to before we close the book on, um, on South Carolina. CJ from Foley sent, hey guys, love the show, been listening to the podcast since before the locked on days and listening to the show on the way to work has become a part of my daily routine. Thank you, brother. Um, I didn't realize you've never called or text before. You're very active on Twitter, but appreciate you reaching out. Out of all the concerns you guys mentioned about the USC game, I think you left out a critically important one. There was way too much jawing going on in the game. Oftentimes, I would see players talking smack after winning their individual battle even though South Carolina just gained 10 yards on the other side of the field. To me, this says that the players are playing for the name on the back rather than the name on the front. That is a coaching issue. 
I think seeing this and seeing visible frustrations from the offensive players is just a sign that some of the players have lost faith in the coaching staff and season. Let me know what you guys think. Thanks. Paps, I'm going to let you take this one. Uh, okay. I don't mind the players talking smack on the field. Uh, I'm a fan. I, I like when they play with the edge. Um, we mostly saw that from defensive guys. Right. And I feel like a lot of times when you win your individual battle on a defensive play, they you, you win the um, I don't know you win the you win the play. To be honest, um, I, I don't mind Smoke or Sherwood talking smack after they make a tackle. Yeah, I wish that it wasn't after a 15 yard gain, but I don't know. I mean, talking smack usually goes both ways, right? And and. Uh, you could see the South Carolina guys were at least trying to give it back to the Auburn guys uh, as much as the Auburn guys were talking trash. Um, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I get the frustration there, but Sherwood talking smack at the end of every play is not why the defense was bad. I don't think. Um, and, and, and as far as you know, them losing faith in the coaching staff or the season – I, mean, I think it's similar to Nick's and Williams arguing. Let's see if it's an isolated situation or not. Let's just let's let's hold on um, just a second to that because like we didn't really see that against Arkansas. We didn't really see that against Georgia. We didn't well we didn't really see anything against Georgia, and then you didn't really see it against Kentucky. So let's see what happens against Ole Miss. Um, CJ, thank you so much for that. Last uh, last listener text. Blake says. I would have to agree with Zach on what he said during Monday's show. Bo Nix and the offense has been consistently inconsistent. It goes back to coaching. Jeremy Johnson, Sean White, Jarrett Stenham, and now Bo Nix. The inconsistencies fall on the coach. Different quarterback, same struggle. I don't want to go too in-depth on quarterbacks here, but comparing Bo Nix's situation to Jarrett Stenham's is different. Comparing Bo Nix's situation to Sean White is different. Um, and then Jeremy Johnson's situation is different from all of them. So... But still, it's it's been quarterbacks that have been you, you, you kind of want more from all of them, with the exception of Jarrett Stidham in 2017, I think, um, as far as you're looking at this list. And I think each of them stumbled for different reasons. I'm not blaming the coaching staff for Sean White, whether it's off the field stuff or injury stuff. I have a hard time blaming the coaching staff for Jeremy Johnson. I think how they used Jarrett Stidham in year two was bad. We can do a whole thing on that this offseason about you know the, the breaking down each quarterback saga while at Auburn. All right, before we look ahead to Ole Miss. Whoa. Yep. Hold on. I mean, if we're going to do that, you got to go back to – got to go all the way back, right? Like you can't start at Jeremy Johnson and not go all the way back to Nick Marshall. Sure. Who, Gus – like I, I, I think it's kind of hard to argue that Gus didn't get the most out of him. Let's go back to Chris Todd. You're telling me Gus didn't make Chris Todd better? Yeah. If if I we're do, if, if mean, we're including everybody, you know. Yeah. And, and that and Cam guy. What was yeah. his name? Cam Newton. So if we're including everyone, but I, I think he just I think he just wants to point out the ones that that struggled, and they all struggled for different reasons. So like I don't think that's fully fair to put on Gus. Like there is nothing Gus Malzahn could have done to help Sean White. I think there is some stuff that he had to deal with. I think with Jeremy Johnson, there is nothing Gus could have done to prepare Jeremy Johnson for when the lights came on and it was his team. There was nothing. There was something in between his ears that he had to deal with. Um, 
And like I said, I think the most comparable situation is Jarrett Stidham. And the first year Jarrett Stidham and second year Jarrett Stidham were vastly different as far as offenses goes and as far as like issues that he had. Now, I think Bo Nix's technical issues are worse than all of them. And you hate that because I didn't notice that as much last year. And so it's like, what's the problem there? And like I said, I think it's different. So um, you good on that? I, I could spend all day talking about Auburn's quarterbacks. Yeah, no, I'm good. I just okay. thought that, like, you know, if we're going to talk about Gus's quarterbacks as a head coach, yeah. I don't know. I feel like you can't just, like, leave one out. Yeah, the, the best cool. one. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Good call. Hey, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They have now 18 delicious flavors. Some of my favorites are peanut butter, banana bread, salted caramel, and cookies in cream. They're healthy. They're good for you. And um, they're good for you while being covered 100% in chocolate. So just looking at the, like the flavor profile for peanut butter, 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and just 5 grams of net carbs. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you will get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off. That's at BuiltBar.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, let's look ahead to Ole Miss. So what do you think are the storylines that we're going to hear from or hear and talk about going into this game? Uh, Bo Nix on the road. We already had a few listeners reach out and talk about that. You know, what can he do to take that next step? And then I think something we're going to look at when the game starts is this balance between run plays and passing plays. Michael, I was on WNSP and Mobile yesterday for my weekly segment there, and the host, Dave, was saying, like, all right, we got to see like Auburn run the ball more than they're going to throw it this Saturday, right, against Ole Miss. And I told Dave, I'm like, I don't think there's any way in the world we see that happen. I think Chad Morris wants to throw the football, and they're going to throw the football. Yeah, and... To be honest with you, Zach, I don't know why this is suddenly surprising. Like, we talked about this constantly through the offseason. Do we not? I just don't think we expected the running game to be as good. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's probably true. So. I, I don't know. I mean, that is, that's my, I don't know. That I guess that is my frustration with all of the clamoring about that. Is like for years, for years. Auburn fans have been saying, incorporate all these routes, throw the ball more, please. And then during this offseason, we talked all about how the passing game is going to be super expanded. Chad Morris throws the ball way more than he runs the ball. He does all the passing routes. He, I don't know. I mean, he, he uses the pass to open up the run instead of the other way around. And then the season starts, and we get to like game three, and everyone's like, why aren't you running the ball? Well, that's not what he does. I wonder if Tank is not on this team, or if he hasn't played yet, 
if people want that still. I just think it's the excitement about Tank Bixby. I mean, every time he touches the football, he hasn't really busted one yet, but it's just like his 12-yard runs are so fun to watch. And I, I think they just want more of that. Now, I think it does kind of beg the question, if they do switch to run first, which I do not think they're going to, but this is just for conversation's sake, if Auburn were to run the ball more than they were to pass it, I just think over the course of your backs getting more touches, your running game becomes less efficient because, because like you said, he is passing to open up the run. So just something to keep in mind, Auburn fans that are listening to this, that are you know looking at Tank's 16 carries for 100 plus yards, that average goes down the more he runs it, probably, probably. So just keep that in mind. Well, yeah, and they start loading the box, right? Right. Uh, as far as storylines for Ole Miss, I mean, number one is that the Ole Miss defense has been good in one game, and it was this most recent one. Yeah. So I don't really think that Auburn could have a better opponent this week. Get right. It's a get right game. And the Ole Miss offense is going to score points. Um, They've done it against everyone except for Arkansas. And the the Auburn offense is going to have to come alive. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they couldn't ask for, for a better defense to have to do that against. Yeah, I mean, you say that. Watch this game's final be like, you know, <laughs> twenty four to seventeen or something crazy like that. Yeah, but even like, I don't. Know, I mean, if Matt Corral throws six interceptions again and Auburn has a bunch of short fields, um, yeah, I still think they're gonna score points. I mean, if he throws six picks, Auburn's gonna have at least eighteen, right? I mean, when it when is Auburn? intercepted six passes in a game under Kevin Steele, though. That's just my thing. I don't know, but did you see the six picks? Uh, I saw like, some of them. I, I didn't see all six of them. It's not like Arkansas's defense was making some like crazy defensive plays from the secondary. Like, Corral threw them the ball. Yeah, I, I'm just... I, I'm not expecting Auburn to get six interceptions this weekend. No, I mean, I'm not either. Do they get saying, one or like, two? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Um, do you have any other storylines you were looking at going into the weekend? Uh, I, that is definitely my main one. Got it. Uh, I'm interested to see if the defensive line can, I guess, bounce back. Well, um, I, I, and I, I think that takes us into our, our, our next segment, players that we want to turn uh, things around this week. You got some defensive linemen on yours? Um, sure. I'll, I'll lump them in together. Okay. Um, Truesdale and and Newkirk. Uh, I think they've had a tough a tough couple weeks. Yeah. I'd like to see them turn things around. Um, Roger McCreary. Uh, he's got another very good matchup this week mm-hmm. uh, against a guy who's been lighting it up for Ole Miss. Um, Elijah Moore. I forgot his last name. Um, he has been awesome this season. I'd like to see Roger have um, a, a, a better game, more like Kentucky, more of what you know we know he's capable of. Uh, and then I'd like to see Seth Williams turn things around. I want to see a performance from Seth Williams. Yeah, he needs it. Um, 
Yeah, my guys to watch uh, turn things around this week. Oh, and Papo, we talked about him a little bit yesterday. Um, Ole Miss a little bit more. Uh, I don't know, I think Owen Papo is better at stopping these spread type offenses. So I think he's going to be in a situation to come up with some big plays as far as his ability to move laterally. Um, big Cat Bryant has not been the guy that we thought. I mean, I spent all offseason talking about how he could lead the SEC in sacks. I was wrong on that, but I want to see. I want to see him kind of get into you know what we thought he could be. Um, can he continue that over you know the, this next part of the season? And then Sean Shivers dressed out this past Saturday. I guess he was an emergency type situation, kind of like we saw Jalen Simpson the, the week prior. I want to see him find a way to be relevant with Tank Bixby getting touches. And I don't know how exactly that looks because on passing downs, they're going to put DJ Williams in there for pass blocking purposes. But I want to see Sean Shivers carve out this role. He won the starting job in camp and he's going to get a chance to get some touches. I want to see him make the most of it, assuming they let him back into the rotation this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. I forgot to unmute my microphone You're there, good, but yeah, no, I agree with you. Cool. For all three of those. Where can people find you, bud? Uh, follow me on Twitter, at CouchPapTato. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnAuburn and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked On Auburn. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.